Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast. Jamie can't believe his eyes because uh, there's no Jonesy with us today. R.I.P. Oh, to Evan the woman us. he used to be. Yeah, exactly. How are you doing, Jamie? It's just, I'm just very well. you and me in the in the hot seat. I know. I'm actually doing this as something of a preparedness ritual. It's a very ancient technique. It actually wakes you up. The ancient Mayans used to do it before their uh, famous podcasts that uh, were beamed across oh, the world. Oh yeah, the the Maya casts. Okay, good. Yeah, the big time. Uh, as the as as to as to casts. I heard Aztec Radio. <laughs> there we go. Uh, for those of us listening on a podcasting platform of your choice, I'm talking Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, Aztec Heart Radio. Uh, Jamie was opening his eyes with his fingers like wide open. Oh yeah, like um, was that uh, a clockwork, clockwork orange? Orange. Yes. Oh yeah, bro. One and the same. He said. Do you reckon that would be? Yeah. Do you reckon there'd be a good punishment, like uh, forcing someone to watch all Super Show episodes <laughs> without blinking? I thought you were going to ask about the process in general, in which case I would have referred to the film and suggested maybe not the way, best way to go, unless you're trying to get them to kill themselves. <laughs> um, uh, the Super Show, I think the risk that you'd run there is that our product is so damn entertaining that they'd be such an interesting, well-rounded, funny personable warm person by the time they came out of that process that you'd corrupt the human race you like you talk you know how like in order to thrive as a race you know you mm -hmm. need equilibrium mm -hmm. you need good people and bad people interesting people and boring people ugly people and good looking people if more yes. if too many people listen to the super show you'd have too many interesting funny engaging personalities out there and the world would be out of balance that's my theory i get i get what you're saying but you did utter the the, the word equilibrium and now I'd, I've I've just got um, I've got that movie in my head now. I mean, yeah, that's a, it's in fact that's a better movie than Clockwork Orange, and we should just subject do the Clockwork Orange therapy, but make everyone watch Equilibrium, <laughs> and then everyone I, I, knows Gun Carter by the end of it. Mate, you know what? I, I reckon not enough people know about Equilibrium. Uh, if you do know <laughs> a lot about Equilibrium, drop a comment down below and let us know what your favorite scene is in that film. For me. It was all of it. Mm. So, yeah, I like that. I tell you what, I I do actually have an answer for it. I like the one extended sort of like corridor shootout, or, or at least the shootout that ends in a corridor where yeah. he's got these. For anyone that hasn't seen the film, he's got these additional magazines for his guns that essentially have like a a sphere on the bottom, like a ball at the bottom. Oh of them. yeah. So he sick. throws them down a corridor. And because of the way the, the weighting of the ball is balanced, the, the clips, the magazine, stick directly upwards. So when he's halfway through his fight, he can reload by using the magazines that he's like left on the ground waiting for him. Very cool. That's pretty sick. I, th I think if I had to choose one, it would probably be... I'm a bit sketchy on, on the, the specifics. It's been a while since I watched that movie, so i I got to watch it again. Um, but uh, I, I believe it's like an underground scene with a bunch of people in bike, uh, motorbike helmets and it's very darkly lit and then whenever they do shooting from the guns it's like a strobe effect right and yes that that whole thing was just so fucking cool man. in fact you just made me realize that the batman stole that effect when it used that yeah yeah the yeah. batman funnily enough yeah the, the robert patterson batman yeah it was cool uh, in that christian, as well. christian bale's kind of he's ahead of his time everything ahead goes of the full curve. circle yeah uh you know what else goes full circle us being a gaming podcast that starts off without people knowing that we're a gaming podcast. Jamie, did you know we're a gaming podcast? I'd heard rumors. Yeah, apparently. Sometimes a gaming podcast. Maybe we should change our tagline. Sometimes a gaming podcast. 
Which you never is. know what you're going to get. Like The Super Show is like a box of chocolates. You never yeah. know if it's going to be a gaming podcast. That's the quote, right? Yeah, you never know if you're going to get herpes from the one with the really dodgy filling, you know? Could you get you know herpes? You could get herpes from a box of chocolates, couldn't you actually? think like Mouth herpes. Yeah, I reckon so. See, in that, it, it's kind of like, it just reinforces the truth behind the quote. You do never know what you're going to get. <laughs> wow. Uh, funny enough, before we started recording, for the first time in maybe a decade... You got herpes. I, I, no, well, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I had some jelly beans. What? Hang what on, where, where, where does that come from? What does that have to do with getting herpes? Well, just because like, you never know what you're going to get, and the jelly beans are like all different flavours. Yeah, but then... see, And it gives you herpes. Okay. And one of them, and one of them sense. tastes like one of them tastes like cum. I thought you were going to go down some horrific tangent about like <laughs> what your genital area genital area looks like when your herpes flares up, and how that reminded you of jelly beans, jelly or beans, weird Jesus. like that. I don't know. Can Can you imagine? No, it's not that bad. Although my testicles are constantly inflamed, but that's a story for another day. That sounds like diabetes. You should probably talk to someone about that. Look at me, bro. Do I look like I've got diabetes? I don't know. I can't see your legs right now, or if you have any, for that matter. This is true. They did get amputated uh, a very long time ago. Yeah. Thanks for outing me. Yeah. Okay, you you ableist. I mean, is, that, is that it? Ableist. Some people have a gay dar. I have a diabetes dar. I could just I can sniff it out from a mile away. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, you could smell the gangrene. Yeah. Oh God! I can smell well, the person it... using the toilet every fifteen minutes. Jesus. I don't know how to recover from You've killed me now. Sorry. Oh, fantastic. Great. Okay, well, hey, if you're not listening on a podcast platform of your choice, then maybe you're watching on YouTube where you can see our lovely faces and, uh, you know, try and ascertain whether my legs have been amputated or not. Who knows? You know, mm. it's a luck of the draw, really. Think about it this way. Of all the times, especially if you followed us from all-time gaming days, how many times have you seen my legs? Hmm. Such a good point. Think about Such it. Such a good point. Yeah. I can I can think of maybe maybe two instances that they would have seen my legs. Yeah. Plus with the power of visual effect these days, you're a bit of an after effects whiz. There's no telling what kind of trickery you could have pulled when it comes to the times it, we have supposedly seen your legs. Yeah, it 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 was literally just cotton wool stuffed in empty yeah. pair of trousers I, li- I like the idea that like you've um you got actually rather than just your legs getting amputated you got amputated at like the waist or something like that so you're basically just a torso with arms and a head but every time you had to make a full screen appearance on like autumn gaming or something like that you would go on steph's shoulders and wear a really long overcoat <laughs> like one of those <laughs> why steph i don't know because like keep like that could have been the reason he wasn't there for like the first four years. Is that Magic <laughs> Steph was a, a, one of the original um, people Might behind be yeah. Chris's original legs? Yeah, exactly. That that was his role. He was like, <laughs> you, you have to play the role of Chris's legs. I love it. I fucking love it, man. Like in the Fallout video, that's where you wore that um, overcoat. Is that it's actually just hiding yeah. the fact that you're yeah, on exactly. It. And then we just did um, After Effects to give me extra arms. So that's all it is. Anytime you saw my legs, was After Effects um, yeah. composite to Jonesy's legs. Which, by the way, are very muscular. So, I see basically. again another trick of the trade. Josie just wears tight trousers. He knows it. You know it. We all know it. <laughs> it's true. Um, again, I'm, it's, it's, this derailment is Sorry. going too far. Um, Jamie, we've got a great podcast ahead of us. If you haven't kind of like ascertained, because you know 
it, it, we had an astronomical start anyway. We've been eight minutes into the recording and um, not an utterance of any games to be played. So do you think we can push it to 10? I think we possibly could. We could talk about equilibrium more. Could. Um... <laughs> we could talk about our favourite scenes. Now it's time to hear our second favourite scenes. <laughs> Who's your favorite um, movie diabetic? Get in the have comments. You ever seen, have you ever seen the trailer for Equilibrium, by the way? That I haven't, no. It, it, do not watch the trailer if you have not watched the film. Not because it's a spoiler or anything, but because it is the dumbest fucking trailer. It's almost like it's one of these like classical Hollywood tropes from that time where it's like, you know, the voiceover, oh, voiceover guy. I can't remember if it was the voiceover guy or if it was just text on screen. But it was basically like a, in a world where mm. people are not allowed to feel right you know like because actually the premise of what the equilibrium is is actually fucking stupid yeah in fact you doing that reminded me of like the fake trailers that play at the beginning of tropic thunder oh, like it yeah, was yeah. that kind of like how all those voiceovers um are ridiculously dumb but Man. you you also stumbled upon something else that it's interesting i was listening to this is gaming tangential i'm going to say the word video game okay. so it counts i was listening okay. to a gaming podcast earlier and they Ooh. were talking about video game preservation and they had someone on there who runs i think they're some part of like a video game museum and a video like ah, you were listening to that jeff gersman one i was yeah so it's the min max podcast that had jeff gersman yeah, on it, and it had a girl called kelsey who yeah has a major role to play in some kind of uh game preservation societies and whatnot in the states um and she was talking about video game pre preservation in this day and age and what people can do because someone wrote in being like, should I be buying boxed copies of games? And she and she said, in some respects, no. Like, there's no, you know, individual onus on any one of us to help preserve games. And you buying an extra physical copy of Days Gone from your local retailer isn't going to stop Days Gone. To, like, Days Gone. No, and, but do you know what I mean when I say like the risk at the moment isn't that Days Gone is going to disappear. And even though we're threatened by things like the you know Nintendo eShop shutdowns and uh, PlayStation Network Store shutdowns, like yeah. games don't always just go away. And there's probably some random game from the 80s on some random console that you could play or emulate in some way, shape, or form. And what she ended up saying was that the part of the industry that she's most keen to um, retain and to store yeah. and to make accessible to the future is like, take a release like Stray this past couple of weeks. Like, Take a game like that. How did it get made? Who did it get made by? Like, what was the process of making it? What was the reaction like? What was it like being someone who was on social media at the time when Stray came out? And that's the kind of stuff that we take for granted in mm. the moment, but we wish we could reflect on. Like, oh, because they were talking about um, the the uh, quotes that end up on bo uh, the video game boxes and how like Bubsy yeah. 3D came out and someone wrote like oh this is the new standard for 3d platforming and at the but at the time they were saying like yeah things like that kind of happened and she was saying like preservation needs to get better at like why was that like what was the there wasn't twitter when bubsy 3d came out okay but like <laughs> what was the twitter equivalent of like what was the vibe what was the smoke on the street what were people saying and and yeah now it brings me all the way full circle is that one of the things i wish we had better versions of was HD or 4K trailers of that era of movies you're talking about. Like, especially those late 90s, early 2000s, like, everyone's going to make their Matrix rip-off action movies. It depresses me when I go on YouTube, it's like a 360p trailer. I just spoke for a really long time. Um, 
And half of that was re- me recapping another podcast. <laughs> so, sorry, Chris. Um, that was like probably the dumbest fucking series of thoughts um, of speed. But um, no, there I, you go. I think it's interesting because, like, you're right. Like, some of that does get preserved in a way. Like, we all know the um, the story of ET on the Atari and how it yeah. almost killed the gaming industry. Like, that was a big fucking deal. And we kind of know the ins and outs there. Like, it's ad nauseum at this point. Um, but, like, yeah, in, in 20 years' time, when people look back and they're like, oh, wow, there was one period in, like, 2020, 2021, where Animal Crossing was the biggest game in the world? Right, yeah, exactly. And Like, like how did that go down? And, uh, like, like, major Hollywood celebrities went on Twitter to ask to go to other people's Animal Crossing worlds for their turnip prices? Like, <laughs> can we capture moments in time like that in a way that, like, actually... That is a part of video game preservation that it's easy to forget. It's kind of relevant. Nice. It is kind of relevant. Um, but you know what, Jamie? We're not going to look to the past, okay? Because I, I, don't, I don't know if you know this, but we are predominantly a future-looking podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's seldom that we look backwards. We're always looking forwards. And in fact, we're ahead of the curve, baby, because um, while loads of people will be talking about or would have, have talked about it already, Grand Theft Auto 6 info drop. Uh, we're only going to get around to it now. So, you know, this is how we do it. We are so ahead in the future that we report on our news in the future from the point that it was released. that makes sense? No, but continue. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but yeah, we got... Um, I, I, okay. Would you would you classify this as confirmed rumors before I continue? Because it's not a rumor; it's an info drop. But then again, yeah. it hasn't been confirmed. Confirmed. So I, th- I think you're right to cla- like classify them as confirmed rumors because they still come from that same school of thought as all the other confirmed rumors we discussed past. This is a journalist saying, "Hey, here's what I've heard anecdotally," albeit the journalist in this case being Jason Schreier and what he's heard being based off uh, twenty reports from Rockstar employees. Uh, past and present, which gives him a yeah. hell of a lot of room for corroboration and incredibly unlikely to intentionally or knowingly misreport. Yeah, and uh, that's actually the reason why Alex Jones isn't here with us today because he is he sharpened a spear and he's hunting Jason Trier down. We tried to tell him, talk him out of it. He did promise that he wasn't going to hurt him, just going to, you know, prod him a bit and eh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll get a report so, on it next week. <laughs> yeah. From Jason Trier, yeah, exactly. not from Jonesy. <laughs> like, I can corroborate that uh, yeah. Alex Jones tried to kill me. Not that Alex Jones, this Alex Jones. It, it'll, um, it'll be a classic Trier bomb where he'll have a really boring topic or like an otherwise non-gamer-friendly topic he wants to talk about, and he'll just randomly slip a massive uh, bit of information in there so that the story goes viral and everyone reads it anyway. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Uh, but yes, our good old dear friend Jason Trier, who doesn't know we exist, even though we've sent him numerous bouquets of flowers it's rude if anything but yeah. hey you know what he still covers the gaming news we cover the gaming news it, it's effectively like we're colleagues so you know we'll take it um but yeah he released an article on bloomberg uh about rockstar and the the change in the company's culture and what it might mean for the future of grand theft auto yeah interested jamie i'm very interested. get into it you yeah, want, you want to absolutely. unpack the the box that Trier has 
I mean, created. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the uh, the, the capital G gamer kind of headline takeaways from a GTA Six perspective, <laughs> or do you want to dig a little bit into the cultural um, uh, shifting uh, that might be going on? Let, let's always start with the capital G gamer stuff because people are pissed, Jamie, for some god knows reason. And I say people, okay? Yeah, it's more like the uh, uh, troglodytes at this point. Um, so GTA 6 will reportedly take place in an area based on Miami, which we have long speculated, right? We, we've been like, hey, Vice City, Vice City. Now, maybe it's not going to be called Vice City, but I hear based on Miami, they've got a Miami-based setting yep. in the GTA universe. So, okay, you know, it's called a fucking spade a spade here. But it will reportedly feature a playable female character as part of a duo, apparently, confirmed rumor. Uh, where you could either play or you will be playing as this female character and a male character in a Bonnie and Clyde-esque escapade. Mm. And people are up in arms like, oh, I don't, what do you mean I'm going to play as a female Latina character? Like, get over yourselves. Well, do you know what? I'm, I haven't seen as much of that as I thought I would, is what I'd say. And I've, I've seen a bit of it because, I, yeah, I don't know. The, it's the, just kind of like... <laughs> The bit of it that I have seen, and this is what's funny, is people who are clearly so aware and so concerned that they're going to be made out to be misogynistic or sexist by making that claim or saying that they don't want a female protagonist or they don't want to play as a female, but they're going so far above and beyond to try and justify their shitty take. But it, and it's like, but it, uh, but it, uh, Dan Hauser did in 2012 interview that masculinity is a core part of the Grand Theft Auto form. And it's like, <laughs> brother, just like, just chill, just chill. Like, yeah. it, like if well, Red Dead Redemption Two and Sadie Adler taught us anything, it's like there's never been a shortage of likable, um, strong female characters in Rockstar cast in the past. They've just never been protagonists, and it's a good yeah. time for that to change. Yeah, and you can think that, like, with the with the love and care that they give to their actual protagonist, that they yeah. could flesh out a very interesting, maybe genre-defining female character. But I think it's quite cool. Like, the, the news of this, I think, for majority of people, is probably welcome. Like, especially after GTA Five, was like, okay, you've got these three main protagonists. Like, what does that mean for GTA Six? Is it going to be another three? Is it going to be four? Blah, blah, blah. It's like pairing it back down, saying, hey, two kind of like attaching it to this really interesting interplay of like a Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing. But it's funny, before we started recording this podcast, I was thinking about it and like Bonnie and Clyde is such like a, a trope at this at this stage, right? Like, oh, the male and female like criminals on the run and they love each other and they'll do anything for each other and they go down in a blaze of glory kind of thing, right? Sure. But I, I thought to myself, that's such an old fucking tried, a tired comparison. So, do you have any modern examples of something that this could relate to? I've I've got one that I think yeah, go for it. Baby Driver. It was kind of in my head as well. John Ham yeah, John, and... John Ham's character and whatever the, her, the lady's I, name yeah, was. Yeah, I forget her name. But they they had a really cool dynamic, and especially like John Ham's character, where he goes from. He's just like a cool character and very chill and kind of like looks out for dudes. And by the end of it, he's just like this absolute fucking psychopath. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and if they if they base it even like an iota on something like that, that'd be fucking amazing. Sure. Like it's not a recent example, but you're talking about like a like a uh, 
male female kind of double act couple romantic elements involved that end up going fucking psycho a bit of natural born killers wouldn't go amiss in a in a rock star story maybe yeah, not yeah. that intense maybe not quite that crazy um <laughs> but like uh, all all we're saying is you've heard of chair first okay woody harrelson is in gta6 Yes, and Robert Downey Jr. is going to play like an Australian cameraman who comes in to do a documentary <laughs> about them in the final third or whatever. I can't even, I can barely remember that fucking movie. But uh, that that movie was strange, man. I don't fucking remember. I, like I, rem- I remember watching it in my bedroom as like a teenager, um, like a young teenager. I'm not that old, but on on one of these little like TV units that was like I don't know, a 13 inch CRT screen that had like a little VHS attached to it. Mm-hmm. You know, one of those jobs. It's quality. Yeah. Next to my Mega Drive, you know. God, old school. <laughs> I used to play. I used to play the X Men animated series game on Mega Drive, and yeah. because my TV had the VCR like attached to it, you could record whatever was showing on the VCR. So you just used to record my gameplay. I was basically a, a Twitch streamer to an audience of myself. Big time. Oh, I wish I'd been there on the day where your parents decide to rewatch their wedding tape. And it's just you <laughs> playing the uh, X-Men game, whatever it was. Yeah. But yeah, um, that's not the only kind of like little tidbits from this report, okay? But if we kind of... Let's go into the, the rock star side of things yeah, and then sure. how they might potentially relate to each other. And then... Maybe we could get a little bit of a an insight from someone who's not actually on the podcast, just as a as a hint, as a little tease. Oh, like maybe we can pull a quote from a from a, maybe. From a friend who can join us tonight. Maybe, maybe, okay. maybe that would be his punishment for trying to hunt down Jason Trier. <laughs> um, but yeah, in in that that blue Bloomberg report, uh, it was claimed that development began sometime in 2014 and is at least two years away, which kind of tracks with what everyone expects and kind of understands. Maybe the 2014 thing is a little bit. That um, nah, still fucking tracks. Right, it, still it, tracks it, to me. it tracks, but then you also there's a. It's very easy to imagine that it wasn't full speed ahead until Red Dead Redemption Two was finished, uh, which yeah. would have been 2018, yeah, yeah. which would meant four <laughs> four years of kind of like meandering small team production, which who knows how much ground they made up in that time. Yeah, well, I, I you know that's that's the part where they're just like start poking and prodding at ideas and exactly. they settle on something and then eventually the team becomes available to build it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Early designs call for the inclusion of territories modeled after large, I love this, swaths of North and South America. Because I, I think the, the project name for this was like Project Americas, wasn't That's it? That's right, yeah. Yeah. So the company reeled in those ambitions and cut the main map down to a fictional version of Miami and its surrounding areas. So... You know, which I, I like. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry, that's. I was going to say that immediately screams to me essentially what GTA Five is, which GTA Five was like. Yes, obviously, this is our LA adjacent city, um, but what we're going to do is we're going to take Los Santos, which is was itself um, one of the three cities in the original San Andreas for PS2, and want to expand on that and blow everything out in a massive way. You can very easily fundamentally see them doing something similar with Vice City, but yet blow yeah. it up on like a county or a state level. Um, it's interesting, I, the, the, I, and I'm not surprised that, that it's been cut down to that fact because a lot of the reading around what Jason Trier's written himself, but also what it seems like Jason Trier's interpreting from what Rockstar employees are saying, is that this isn't going to be a massive game. Like, 
in terms of square mileage. Um, that's not never the, been the vibe I've got from this project. Yeah. I don't think that's the point. <clears throat> yeah, um, and I think it, it could do it could potentially do stuff like what Red Dead Redemption Two did, right? Like, I, I could totally see them having segments where it just quote unquote cuts to Cuba or something like that, right? Sure, sure. sure. I mean, Red Dead Redemption Two had the whole thing again. This is minor spoilers at this stage. But of course, has the entirety of the Red Dead Redemption One map in the game and doesn't do well, does nearly nothing with it through the actual story. The implication being like, hey, could Red Dead Online stuff happen there? Which, hey, go figure, it does. I'm sure there's very similar things being thought about with GTA Online, and also that will supplement one of the other things we're going to talk about, which is sort of the perhaps post-release life of GTA Six. Yeah, so the post-release life of GTA 6 is a really good point because, and this this was something that I thought was sounded really cool, but we do need to temper our expectations here, okay? So just to go into it, the single-player map, uh, quote-unquote, will be up- updated over time, adding new missions and cities, cities on a regular basis, which the leadership at Rockstar hopes will lead to less crunch during the game's final months. Now, that's... Fair enough. Okay, I think it's a a cool idea to kind of say like, hey, this section of the map is maybe inaccessible at the moment, and then, you know, and further down the line they release some more stuff and it opens up. It gives you a whole new kind of like you know, for, for lack of a better word, a biome to kind of go and explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the the thing that we need to kind of temper our expectations with, I think, in this is, uh, hey, do you remember all all those promises of the GTA Five kind of like. DLC missions and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And GTA Online Which, swallowed it all up, right? Yeah, exactly. Kind of killed it. Yeah. Um, and, and and the thing that like we haven't got any info is what is the follow up to GTA Online? Yeah, I mean, when I read this, I I can't help but imagine whether they call it GTA Online Two or whatever. Like, I don't know how that actual transition happens, but I think the online component <coughs> of Grand Theft Auto Six functions as the sequel to gta online and when i read elements like this like a, an open world that's updated over time new missions and cities being added on a regular basis uh, as much as i'd love to be optimistic for the possibility of single player dlc which of course never happened in gta 5 but was prominently used in for example uh grand theft auto 4 and red Dead Redemption 1 um i i can't see that being the case the way this reads to me is that um this is a safety net I think one thing that happened to GTA 5, or rather GTA Online, that they have actually rode the wave of pretty nicely compared to other titles like Warzone is one that comes to mind. Is that Roblox? Roblox, Roblox is actually not a great example. I like the, the Warzone example of that seems weird is that because Warzone stands out to me as a game that they released as like a spur of the moment, free to play title, and they didn't really think about how that thing was going to live. And that's why it was a part mm. of the Modern Warfare launcher. So you had to download <clears throat> Modern Warfare and it lived within there, but it was also a free to play thing within that. And then other Call of Duties kept coming out and they couldn't integrate content. In, and it just became this mess. And one thing that GTA Online, uh, you know, the 20th, like, as a, like, as it exists, now what i've taught rockstar is that you need to be prepared to make a quasi mmo that could be a huge money making generator for literally a decade and i think if you're as prepared for that now as they are compared to where they were in 2013 i think you do everything in your power to make sure that is as big as successful but also just as 
like has as big as a, of a safety net as possibly can because you don't want that to die for premature reasons. You don't want that to die for technical reasons. And so when you say to yourself, like, look at where GTA Online went, where by the end you're not just doing heists, but you're like you're you're going to some art, you're going to a random island and doing gigs with Dr. Dre. Like they've clearly like they've got <laughs> ambitions for something broader. Why not work that into the infrastructure of the game you're making that like Hey, this isn't just a new expansion. This is like a new city or like a new a new part of the world that's opened up over here. And yeah, like I, I could easily see them exploring that territory. Like, hey, here's a street racing expansion, and rather than just using the streets of Vice City, we've actually added a neighboring city over here that's maybe a little bit more designed with that in mind, or you know, yeah. whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah, it's clever. And like talking about uh, Rockstar's kind of like pedigree and learning and understanding from everything that's happened to GTA Online definitely helped them out with Red Dead Online. <laughs> well, but you, but you make a great point. Like, Red Dead Online will be a red flag to them as though, and well, they'll look at that and say, if GTA <clears throat> Online 2, whatever it's called, dies in four years, or less than four years, a la Red Dead, we are royally fucked up. By, in, by way of leaving hundreds of millions, potentially even billions of dollars on the table. And... They don't yeah. want that. Yeah, to be fair, I I doubt that that would be the case. I think I think maybe Red Dead Online was a little bit of an experiment in itself in terms yeah. of how to do an online thing that doesn't just mimic GTA Online just with cowboys. Totally. Right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, not, not encouraging. But I think G, GTA is Rockstar's money spinner. Like everything else is just cherry on top. So Red Dead Redemption 2, cherry on top. Like all of that stuff. So they're going to make sure or do their damn best to not stuff it up. Now, as part of all of these game leaks, Jamie, we also got a little bit of insight into the changes in the studio itself. Yeah. So um, new new management, potential new leadership, a lot of people being ousted as kind of like, shall we say, bad eggs. Um, yeah. A lot, a lot of focus on like equality, etc. All things that like you, you hear them, you read them, you're like, yes, this is this is amazing, this is perfect. Why is it only happening now? But you know, it's happening. Fine, you know, give them give them credit for that at least. Um, what it does mean is, especially when it comes to crunch, and they really, really seem to be making a concerted effort to minimize crunch as much as possible, or uh, well, practically eliminate it. Right, I think is their goal. Mm. Now. That would obviously put an impact on any kind of release. Yeah, well, it, may, it arguably already has, right? Well, yeah, exactly. We well, we don't know because nothing's nothing's ever been officially confirmed. Only confirmed rumors. But yeah, undoubtedly, because we, we would be playing GTA Six now. I agree. Um, this is where we get a little bit of a spicy take, and and I wish Jonesy was here because jo Jonesy's mental gymnastics in terms of this news coming out is him saying like, Oh, it, it could be the death knell of Rockstar. I think, yes, I agree. When, when Jonesy goes to that degree and takes it as far as that point will go, and talks about GTA six being the death knell for Rockstar. I, I think it's maybe taken a little bit too um, far, but there are still interesting thoughts and ideas in what Jonesy's trying to in what Jonesy's trying to say. Which at this point, which I'd say, should we like? Would it be fair to read what he wrote, or, or should we just give an idea to the folks at home of what I, Jonesy? I, I, 
<clears throat> the thing is, Jonesy's not here to defend himself, right? Exactly. So, but then, I, I think we don't read it. We just we just lightly comment on it because it is fascinating. Essentially, if I if I may, Chris, like the what the conversation that the three of us began having before we tried to kind of dive it off and save it for what you're hearing now was about whether or not improving conditions for employees in many of the ways that Chris just outlined and improve, improving, you know, employee mental health and theoretically, like. It, just improving conditions and circumstances for your workers actually creates a better product. Yeah, better environments creates better products. That's it's a given. But the issue is with video games, when you look at companies like Rockstar and companies like Naughty Dog, for example, there's a scary track record of horrible environments making unbelievably good games. Um <laughs> The reason the reason crunch was so ingrained in the culture of video game development and within that industry for decades before journalists and a certain developers and people who were able to split off and make new studios and become less reliant on the machine uh, could shine a light on it, it was because it worked. Yeah, like games got it, well, games got it, made. They got made in less say, time. You could say it worked on the, for the product. It worked for the product. Yes. Yeah, but for a long time, the ind- the individual, the employee, didn't have a say. So it kind of, it, it was like <laughs> it either works for you or you can fuck off. Which is why so many people over the years have fucked off. <laughs> yeah, to create their own studios and then be the bosses that institute the crunch and yes. not have to do the crunch themselves. It's yes, a vicious exactly. circle. Yeah, and basically, Beautiful. if everyone just takes their little tablets and then they can start to feel again, Jamie, then we can shoot each other in the face with gun. Ta- uh, what? Gu- Gun, gun Carter. Ta- gun Carters, yeah. I think it's Gun Carter. I don't know if Jonesy were here, he'd be shouting us. Well, anyway. <laughs> uh, gun Carter. But yeah, that, that's GTA 6 and Rockstar in a nutshell. Yeah. Maybe, we should, um, maybe that's why we should have these segments, because it's called In a Nutshell. Da, 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 boom. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a weird one when you look at it, as you said, in a nutshell, because on the one hand, it's interesting when a journalist like Jason Schreier is willing to come out and put things on the line. And even if he's reaffirming information that a lot of us either already knew or could comfortably speculate, you know, we yeah. talked about a Vice City-like or Vice City itself setting before. We talked about the possibility of, hey, if they're doing the multiple protagonist route again, it's likely that one of them's going to be a female. And, you know, you talk about Bonnie and Clyde and sort of like classic bank robbers, Bank robbers have never been far away from inspiring some kind of turn energy. Like GTA, possibly GTA Four, and almost the entirety of GTA Five were inspired by like bank heist movies and and so on and so forth. Basically, like Mike, Michael Mann and Heat, like inspired large mm. chunks of what Rockstar have done in that yeah. series for like yeah. the last decade plus. Um, and so none of that was that surprising, honestly. Like the, the the main thing about this article for me that was fascinating was how Rockstar are changing. And I'm going to be really interested to see what it results in for GTA 6 and also just how sustainable it is. Because, again, I'm, without trying to sound like I'm cracking the whip here, there is also an element of like, oh, this is so great that employees have got, you know, a, a, a better system around them and are being more looked after and they've got mental health programs and they've got flexi time and, you know, they're, they're not crunching for the first time in their careers. But fundamentally you can't release a GTA game every 11 or 12 years. That's not how video game series work. Well, I'm, I, th- this is where I'm going to interject here, Jamie, because I think if you are a rock star, you can. Do you think? 
because then yeah. you're then you're starting to stretch like generational relevance. I, I honestly, I don't, for someone like a, a company like Rockstar, I don't think it matters with their with their IP. You you, you say a smaller company, sure, yeah. or maybe even like okay, Ubisoft could not do it. Uh, EA could not do mm-hmm. it. Activision could not do it. Rockstar, yeah. But here's the counterpoint. Do you know when it starts to matter? Yeah. The first time they release a bad one. Yes. Then all of a sudden, can you wait 11 or 12 years for the next GTA game that might be good, that might reclaim a former glory? And by the time that one comes out, do you know how long it would have been since the last good one? 20 yeah. years. <laughs> and then and then you are, again, like I said, testing those generational limits. It sounds like a stupid thing to say, but like GTA 5 will turn 10 years old next year. Yeah, but hold on, Jamie. Is this is this stupidity or is this genius? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Release a bad release a bad GTA, wait 10 years, people don't remember it's bad. Maybe. And they're just excited that GTA is happening again. I mean, some of us, you and I included, will always be in that camp because Yeah. Like well, uh, like th- th- think about it this way. Think about it this way. How much fatigue did people have with Assassin's Creed? It went away for two years, Jamie. I believe it was two years. And then when it came back, it was like praised. Oh, look at this. It's a return to form. Open yeah. arms. Come did, to daddy. It did Let's change a go. lot. You have to admit. It did like, change a lot. Yeah, of course it did. But it needed to. Um, yes. But again, with that, it was, yeah. The it, funny, it is kind of difficult because that was like annual releases and there was a slow, like yeah. a, a, a great gradual decline. But yeah. Totally. And, and the one thing I, I will just say, and again, this is kind of tangential, I apologize, but it's a funny point that you just made there about Assassin's Creed taking two years off and coming back and being different because it needed to be different. The, the thing is, the way I feel about Rockstar games and the, the, the like, you look at their premium open world titles, the last of which was Red Dead Redemption 2, I still identify Rockstar based off their exploits in Red Dead Redemption 2 as a studio that don't need to change anything yet. And I think, like, whether I'm looking at the previews for the Saints Row game that's launching next month, of which you know all the major um, you know outlets ran their previews this week, or whether yeah. I was where's playing... where's our preview? Uh, it's being edited. I don't know. Oh we, yeah, yeah. We, we 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 sent it to an editor we hired on Fiverr, and he's been messing us around, and like it's just it's coming together. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> or on the flip side playing a first-person, admittedly, open-world action-adventure game that came out earlier this year that I'm going to talk about in my catch-up section. Like, unanimously, what I feel like with those two products as an example is that if Rockstar just made another Red Dead Redemption 2-style open-world, it would still be overwhelmingly better than the majority of open-world games that are coming out now, four years later. So there is a yeah. fun, there is a funny element so, here with like how much they push themselves to reinvent the wheel and and to make something completely different when so many studios, major studios, major publishers still haven't caught up with where they were and with Red Dead Two. That's why yeah. it's funny to me. I, I I do agree with you. I'm 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 kind of in this weird position because obviously I didn't necessarily enjoy Red Dead Two all that much, mm. and I like you say. You say they don't need to change the formula. I, I kind of think that they do need to change the formula, but I'm well aware that I'm in the minority. Um, but what I can't argue against is other developers playing catch-up to what Rockstar are doing. Mm. Yeah. Like, I, I, there's just no arguing. There's no no mental gymnastics I can do to argue that point. You know, so it's, it's, it's a subjective thing. 
Damn. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. What, what, when, do you, when do you think we first see GTA 6 in any form? Like a trailer? Right. Well, like okay. So it, it, whatever it is, it's not going to be fucking IGN or Jason Trier or anything like that. It's going to be Rockstar. Agreed. Okay. Uh, which is, you know, it, it doesn't take a genius to say it worked for them with fucking uh, Red Dead Redemption and it didn't cost them like a cent yeah. other than just making the trailer, you know, which is an internal team anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be that. When it's going to be, dude, I mean... Do you think we could see know, something next year? I... I, I you know me. I'm I'm always willing to take a punt in, in terms of these times of things like, oh yeah, you know, God of War is going to do this or whatever. GTA is such a fucking thing that I have no clue. I've no I've no idea. What do you think? Yeah. I think that. I think I th- I think there's a chance we see something next year. I think we get our first sniff so something next year. We're going to get our first sniff of it, and it's going to be running on the uh, Switch Two Pro. Big time, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. The blue, the, all the news outlets are going to confirm phone. it. All the news outlets are going to confirm that rumor. Like literally, everyone is going to track up with everyone's kind of corroboration everywhere, mm-hmm. and it's never going to happen. It's except it's not. It's also the reason it will happen, though. Chris is not going to be the Nintendo Switch Pro two. It's going to be no, just Pro actually. It's going to be the Bloomberg <laughs> Switch Pro. They're going to get so annoyed that they got egg on their face. They're just going to make it themselves. <laughs> Yeah, boy. Jason Schreier's um, colleague that I can't remember the name of presents the <laughs> Bloomberg Nintendo Switch Pro. It's real. Yeah. Stop making jokes. But yeah, man, like... Uh, it, it's just because, like, it is such a tight ship at Rockstar. Yeah. No, you're like, right. the thing is, the thing is, like, how many leaks and rumors go through that are, are just, like, people just cloud chasing? Like, you're I'm, the I'm not, majority of them. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying like Jason Trier is an example, but like there there, nah, there are like, so many, and and it, it's it's such an easy slippery slope to kind of get suckered into all of that. But you know, you you just look at at Red Dead Redemption too, and it's like, when when did we have sniffs of that? Is when Rockstar fucking actually told us, you know? Yes, literally, yeah. No yeah. way to tell. And even then, I remember not even really knowing like what it was up until like I remember being convinced that it was going to be called Red Dead Revenge or yes, Red yeah, Dead yeah. Retribution or something like that. Yeah, it's it's still fucking odd. Red Dead Redemption Two as the prequel. It is odd. It is odd. I I still think the best move they ever made though is changing that two to Roman numerals because it's so much cleaner. There was a point in time <laughs> where that was just a regular number two, and I was like, they have lost their minds. <laughs> that, what that is was... wrong with this woman? Jamie, Jamie saw that logo and he says, you know what? This uh, Rockstar is going the, the route of Ubisoft with Assassin's Creed. They need to change. Yep. I'm Duncan Banner, and I'm out. That's what I said <laughs> when I saw that. Well, Jamie, you know what? Changing uh, a numeric 2 to a Roman numeral 2 is quite interesting because for Roman numeral 2 dollars, you can get access to our Discord server by supporting our patron. No, Shocking. you don't like that segue. Outrageous! It's it, it's the best I've got, man. Come on, it's it's just you and me on a very lonely Thursday night. So we're gonna have to roll with it. We've got nothing better. Yeah, I, I I've put it out there. There's no retracting it. We we don't. We, you know, this is we do Dogma ninety five cinema verite. Okay, <laughs> fucking podcasting. Once we hit record, 
That's what you get. Does this podcast qualify for the Dogma 95? It might do, actually. No, like, it doesn't because we, we, we I, like, I'm using an artificial light. I see. Oh, well, technically, I'm using artificial lights because of the screens, but otherwise, I'm not like. Ah, never mind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for as little as $2, you can support our show, the Super Show, at patreon.com forward slash Super Show. $5 gets you access to a whole bunch of Patreon exclusive podcasts. Uh, early access when we actually get off our asses and do stuff. Uh, some stuff from the ATG archive, some fun things. And most recently, our first Super Show Plays, which is only going to be on Patreon, for The Quarry, where we, we played the first three hours. We need to get, Jamie, we've got to get back together and um, record the next episode of that. We can't, we can't have it like months apart. It would be ridiculous. I mean, it is going to be a month apart from this point, but... You know, we, we just need to strive to be better. Um, but there are a bunch of people that have been supporting us. And the reason they do it is because they believe in the Super Show dream, okay? They want to keep these artificial lights on. They want to keep this shitty webcam rolling and uh, my nice shiny new microphone going as well. Um, and I am, of course, talking about Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Bill Caesar, Brimstone, Cole K., I snort rock salt. Jesper Camdahl Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Nathan Piers, Neil Dugeld's Dream of Prosthetic Moustaches, Daniel, Pastors Guild, Scary Omen, and of course, the big boys, the guys that we pretty much owe it all to at this stage. Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Doppler, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Read, Manuel Donut County Stan Guerrero. And Peaswad, the one and only. Some say the number one medic in Battlefield Five in the US. Yes, although he has now switched over to being a full-time vampire survivors professional. So uh, he's I up need to jump back on that also. game. I need to jump back on that game, Jamie. Like so much updates have happened since yeah, I last played. I do and I don't. It is at the moment kind of testing the limits to which like I want to go back to a game every month because another minor tweak has been made or and that maybe but that's see, I, I, tweak, but yeah. I haven't played it in like what five months maybe? No, four months. There's yeah. tons of stuff that I'm missing out on. And I just miss it. It's it's the fun time. Yes. Sink. It's a nice thing to have in the background. It'd be a good Steam Deck game. Mm. From what I gather. Mm. Is that a hint? Not for me, it's not. <laughs> I don't have enough money for that to have been a hint. Yeah, Jesus. Um, but yeah, speaking of our patrons, Jamie, first of all, thank you one and all to the patrons for keeping yes, the Super Show you. dream alive. And if you want to help keep the dream alive, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash Super Show and show your support. One person who did show their support, which I did mention their name earlier, which is Bill Caesar. And uh, guess what? He's got a comment of the week, Jamie. You ready to hear it? Hell yeah, let's do it. Hell yeah. Well, warm your butt cheeks because here we go. Bull Caesar says, for the $600 tier, do you supply the brisket? Question mark. This is obviously referring to the $600 tier that we've got on our Patreon as a bit of a joke, but also as like, hey, you're a shake of an Arabic country uh, in the, you know, send us some money. It was oil. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we were kind of saying that like, hey, the six hundred dollar tier, Jonesy will come to your house if you live in the UK and cook you a brisket. And yes, 
I can confirm the brisket will be supplied and all three of us will come up. Um, we got to change it uh, if we want to go international. Uh, if, six, it's six end, if it's just Jonesy and a brisket, there'll be 6,000. Um, you know, if you want all three of us, probably looking at like 16,000 or something. I don't know. It depends where um, in the world you are and what kind of yeah. flights we want to buy ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear business class is very enjoyable. Um, but then Bill Caesar does go on to, to say uh, that he is loving Stray and his kids do too. But I think my kids would enjoy it more if it had a free roam or something like that as my kids get frustrated by the Zerks and the, and the missions. They just like going around and scratching shit. I mean, that's what kids do, right? <laughs> they, he does go on to say they're a little annoyed that they can't catch mice like their cat does. I think they missed the trick there, to be honest. True, actually. There, are, there is no mice catching to be seen in Stray. You should be able to catch the mouse, kill the mouse, and present it to the robots I mean, as, like, a gift. You can do that thing where you kind of, like, hold stuff in your mouth and then kind of, like, very loosely drop it as though you're presenting it to someone as a gift in spite of the fact that it's probably just a, a battery or a piece of scrap metal in that game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so you you were playing Stray last week, Jamie. How how was that going? It's going well. I finished it. Um, obviously, as has been pretty well documented across the internet, it's not the longest of games. In fact, it's got a trophy, which I have decided not to go for just yet, for completing the game in less than two hours, which... Uh, I Two think, hours, Jesus. Yeah, okay. and uh, don't, don't get me wrong. You have to intentionally <laughs> do that. No one's going to accidentally get that trophy. Um, because my first playthrough, I think, was about five hours long. Um, yeah, okay. And I, I did a fair amount of stuff along the side, which is actually it, one of the things I was wondering uh, with Bill's comment, because there are, it never goes open world, but there are hubs that you get to. There's two particular hubs that are, that are <clears> worthy, where things open up. There are lots of NPCs that you can go and talk to even if most of them just kind of have like a line or two of dialogue they give you. But there are, uh, one of them is a slightly more, um, it's kind of like a, a shopping district, um, a bit more like, not like sleazy, but you know, there, there are there are bars and, you know, different shops you can go into. The other one's a little bit more residential in nature as opposed to commercial. Um, but they're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're always fun to run around in and they do a pretty good job. I think I mentioned this last week of designing a lot of those hub worlds on kind of the ground level and also the rooftop level. And obviously being able to traverse that stuff as a cat means you can kind of get to see both perspectives. And it's interesting to see those, those little hubs, um, from both viewpoints and both perspectives. Um, are you are you able to do cat parkour? Not as such. I mean, Even. the cat and stray can jump very quickly, and if you're in a position where you can chain jumps together and you can actually hold down X on the PlayStation Five and essentially not have to keep mashing jump, and they'll the cat will take the logical next leap. But it's not really parkour. It's kind of like shitty parkour. Maybe that's for stray two strayer stray core. Just trying to par stray, par a, metal metal gear stray. I mean, now we're talking. Hell yeah. Okay, so like your final verdict on it then, seeing as you finished. I really liked it. Um, I think I, I've called it a little bit since last week, just by virtue of the fact that honeymoon period did inevitably end, and I think the more time you spend with that game, the more presented you are with some of its perhaps mechanical shortcomings and mechanical inadequacies the fact that it's like effectively an indie right yeah and like you know that traversal system i was really um 
I really enjoyed it in my first couple of hours because I thought it was very befitting of the the style of game they're making. And I, I, I liked the way it almost forced you to consider how you were going to traverse the environment as though uh, you were a cat. I think was what I kept saying last week as though as that sounds. But there are definitely points. The less, the more that kind of the facade falls, and the more you begin to play it as a video game the more it's like, oh, that wasn't the jump I was trying to make, or, oh, actually, I'm trying to go back down to the street level, and the fact that I can't just jump, and I need to kind of line it up and find a little mm. X prompt somewhere in the environment that may not be popping for some reason. Those little things become minor annoyances. Um, some of the sequences that Bill was actually talking about in his comment uh, involving the Zerks and um, some other sort of like what, stealth sequences that aren't quite insta-fail, but essentially feature a form of enemy that can instantly lock onto you and fire a kind of like a dart that essentially kills you in one shot um means that it occasionally feels like an insta-fail stealth section uh, yeah, i was yeah. like it got to the point where the narrative was running like was winding down and as the narrative was winding down i was like this seems like a weird stage to introduce some of the harder gameplay challenges that have <laughs> been featured in the whole game um, yeah yeah that was a very minor quirk um, in what was otherwise a very enjoyable game that I'm glad I played. Perfect example of a game that makes sense for that mid-tier of PlayStation Plus because, you know, it avoids people paying full price for it, which I think, again, based on how long it is and replay value, it might have been slightly overambitious for someone buying it outright. Um, but then again, it's done very well on Steam, so what do I know? Um, I think it's a really <laughs> quite charming game, um, and I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, well, I guess it kind of like goes back to what you were mentioning about like game preservation and the thing aside to the game where the internet just fucking loves cat games. So there we go. It's It, it almost reminds me of Untitled Goose Game. Yes. Like yeah. in, in terms of the hype and the build up for it and then the game comes out, it's like, yeah, that's a fine game. I actually ended up not liking Untitled Goose Game, but even by the end of the stream we did back on All Time Gaming. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a bit frustrating and that I didn't think it had enough ideas to sustain the length of the game. Yeah, And Stray yeah. doesn't have that many ideas either. It's just more elaborate, it's more built up, and there's more story, there's more lore, there's more character, there's more personality. There's more of all of the trimmings that sustain a game like that beyond, hey, you're a cat. And that's the stuff I liked. Beyond, hey, you're a cat. I love I mean, that. You that should just be the, the, the... Yeah, exactly. That's the tagline. Stray, hey... You're a cat. I mean, that's kind of what this game was sold on for months. Um, and for some people, it still basically is just that. <laughs> you yeah. see all those people that have modded, like, there's a guy that has a service that he'll mod your cat into Stray. That's smart. I saw Very the clever. ones, I saw Garfield, and I yes. also, in a rather disturbing twist of fate, I saw Grand Theft Auto CJ, yeah. It looks so weird. Walked into the shape image. of a cat. Yeah, um, lovely. Yeah. yeah. What, what what else have you been playing? Um, the only thing I was going to give a shout out to uh, something of an opportunistic pickup because it was a game I missed earlier on in the year and I wasn't that inspired by the reviews, which was solid but you know not overwhelming. Um, yeah. But it happened to go on sale as a result of the one that's ongoing on the PlayStation Network at the moment, and that's Ghostwire Tokyo from Tango GameWorks, um, which I have played about four or five hours of, and I like it. Um, it's, so you, it's, you've played a, a stray's worth. I've played. You're right. I've played a stray's worth of. Ghostwire. That's the new measurement. That's the In new fact, measurement. Buddy. Stray was partly what inspired me to play Ghostwire because the idea of going into 
obviously a slightly bigger and more ambitious and open-ended game than Stray is, but something that was still a little bit more, not claustrophobic, but a bit more finite and a bit more measured than, you know, I've been playing games like Death Stranding and Ghost of Tsushima recently. And compared to those, obviously, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo focusing, as it does, on one district of a city in Japan um, is far smaller and you you know you're operating on 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 the streets and through you know alleyways and and whatnot and, and little parks and of Shibuya and so there's um kind of like a, a like a I don't, I don't have a good word for it almost like a cozy feeling to it as opposed to you don't have that horrible open world feeling of everything's just stretching out in front of you as far as the eye can see kind of Elden <laughs> Ring style and you know you're going to be here for hundreds of hours Ghostwire feels like a game that you start and you're like, oh, I can see why How Long to Beat says this is 11 hours long, which just yeah. sat right with me as a post-stray experience. Um, okay, so then you're, you're like maybe getting like close to halfway. Yeah, but I do. I've done a lot of the usual shit of just going and doing collectibles and upgrades and yeah. because that's the flip side of Ghostwire Tokyo, which is for as much as it has a fairly interesting story premise, and a mm-hmm. very interesting sort of design aesthetic with regards to you know, enemy design and um, the way it draws inspiration from Japanese folklore and Japanese sort of legends to to design a lot of that world and the art direction and so on and so forth. Um, the gameplay fundamentals are still very much rooted in, as I mentioned and hinted at earlier when we were talking about GTA, open world action adventure fair. And it kind of just feels at times like they made... 60 to 70 percent of a tango gameworks game and then didn't know what to do with the re- for the rest of it and so kind of like um took far cry as inspiration basically and were like obviously you're not gonna you know be riding about on an elephant and going up a mountain or anything like that you're still on the city streets of shibuya but you know you're gonna be going around and praying at shrines to get one more little bit of this so you're gonna go and yeah. be cleansing that to <clears throat> yeah and, and you know very small focused encounters but again, again, it's the proximity of everything. Like, this isn't a game where you come across a bandit camp and you have to kill 12 people and then you'll have finished it. Like, there's not enough room in the city streets for that. So they do still yeah. have to think of an interesting twist on everything, but it is still a little bit too grounded in what is increasingly feeling like old open-world game design. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Having said all that, what's your takeaway? But it, I, I, it, it's made a, it's made a good first impression on me. But I think it's going to struggle to get out of that seven or eight out of ten region, uh, where I think the, the combat is different and it feels really nice. There's a nice weight to it. I think the dual sense implementation on the PlayStation Five is really nicely done. Visuals are, again, solid in some respects. Like I like the, the elemental effects and the, the, uh, the, the particle effects and. The, all the alpha effects that are basically happening during combat, enemy yeah. design is on point. Um, and again, yeah, like the, the, the way the overall art direction has been inspired by those sort of the, those elements of Japanese folklore is really quite unique. And you're playing the game and realizing you're seeing things or experiencing things that like you've never seen presented in a game that way before. And that's always really interesting. And then 10 minutes later, you realize it's almost like a one to one analog of an element or a design choice that existed in something else. And so mm, it's kind of like, okay. it, it's a big time rough with the smooth kind of experience for me thus far that I think is going to see it nestle in that seven out of 10, ultimately quite 
not bland, but still frustratingly forgettable region. Like the most mm, memorable forget okay. the most memorable forgettable game I've played this year, you know, I'm sure in likelihood. Yeah, like like I wonder if this time next year you'll think to yourself like rose tinted this seems like a rose tinted glasses kind of game. Where yeah. you look you look back on it, you're like, actually that was pretty good. I enjoyed that, but you can't really sure. nail down why. I think that still exists now. Like, I think there's going to be a group of people out there who say the words Ghostwire Tokyo and they're like, oh, yeah, that game, that did come out this year, that blah, 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 blah. And, like, remember it in this sort of, like, way where they've already forgotten about it. But then if you showed them some footage and you're and they're like, oh, yeah, shit, this is the, the game where the bad guy has that Hanya mask on and you're doing the cool hand gestures to fire these beams out and then a, you know, a headless schoolgirl ghost runs towards you or a, bad, a Japanese businessman that looks like Slenderman with an umbrella. Like, I remember all these visuals. I remember this from E3s. Like I remember something so stark <laughs> and striking about everything, but the game was just uh, like yeah. Uh, uh. yeah. Is it enough to kind of push you to the end, though? I mean, it, it's a easy thing for you to say because you just finish anything. <laughs> That's not you're necessarily not true. I, you're I, not picky. You're, you're, you're not, a bit of a whore. I'm not super picky, and knowing something that's knowing something's only eleven hours long, if I mainline the story, obviously helps. Like. Put it this way, Chris, with the way things are going at the moment, I could wake up on a Saturday morning and just think to myself, yeah, oh, fuck it, I'll complete Ghostwire. And if I wanted yeah. to, I'd, I'd just sit there and do it. Like, uh, and may, maybe I will. Jamie, the luxuries, Jamie, the luxuries that you have. I don't have a kid that's going to come into the room and be like, um, you need to feed me. That's how this works. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, exactly. yes. The only other thing I've played, Chris, is actually something that we have not just both played, but both played together, as a matter of fact, yeah, right? I know. Um, it's funny. Uh, I managed to get a little bit of free time yesterday and uh, I got given a code, Jamie. Uh, the fine folks at uh, Warner Brothers deemed it fit to send me a pre-release of the Multiverses beta mm. um, before it was open beta. Yes. But I but I only played it yesterday, which is at the time of recording uh, past the open beta. So... Fuck me, whatever. But they it, sent me the code. I'm, yeah, exactly. They sent me the code to something that I could have gotten for free, but I am eternally grateful because, hey, it's nice. It's nice when people give you stuff. Um, but because it's free, you managed to jump on. And on a whim, I was like, I'm just going to check this out because it looks cool. Jamie, Jamie Jonesy, who, who's available? Do you want to jump on? Jonesy wasn't because he was busy sharpening his pike. Um, but you were. And we managed to get on and play Multiverses which oh, yeah. is uh, Warner Brothers brawler a la Smash Bros. And um, I've got to say, Jamie, and it's, it's funny because I thought this would be the case when it first came out. And if you go back to the podcast where we first mentioned it, I quite like multiverses. Yeah. I, think, um, I think it does a really decent job for what it is. I don't think it's trying to be anything beyond what it's setting out to do. Um, I just think it's fun. Yeah, I but, agree with you. But then it's again, fun. yeah, but then again, I'm I'm, I'm a Smash fan. Uh, you, not so much. So it's it's interesting to kind of get your take, I, I think. Yeah, me not so much. But then I think one of the things I said to you last night is one of the bad habits I've picked up along the way when it comes to my experiences with Smash, and not necessarily my fault either, is that I feel like across the last, like, 
I'll say like seven, eight years because I have to account for the pandemic and how little this was happening during that time. But every mm. time I played Smash, it was because someone who was really into Smash wanted to play Smash. And that meant that I was playing against someone who was someone who was infinitely better than me. And so I was jumping in a game that I was attracted to or drawn to because of its casual appeal and the recognizability of its roster of characters. And I was I could I'm the guy that goes, Oh, it's Snake from Metal Gear. And I get <laughs> and, and I'm playing against a guy like um, you can't beat this character, he's illegal, and we can't do this stage because that's illegal. And so, of course, I'm gonna have a rough time. Whereas <laughs> you and I coming to multiverse is fresh, playing albeit a sort of a, a, a tangential experience to Smash Brothers for the first time against other yeah. people who are also theoretically playing it for the first time or more or less the first time. And like, you have to ask me point blank, did I have fun? Yeah, I did have fun. We we yeah. found a groove, like, I found a character, you found a character, and other than the, it was kind of this. A perfect matchmaking balance too, which was either we were fucking annihilating punks, which felt really good, or we were having these really close matches, which was also yeah. good. Yeah, we we never got annihilated because you know we are pro MLG. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think where Multiverses kind of gets it right, where potentially uh, for non fans of Smash, where they come up hard against it, is I think Smash Bros is maybe a little bit too technical. Mm-hmm. And multiverses is just like, hey, with that smash idea, that genre, but it's for everyone, and everyone can can be viable in this uh, yeah. as as your skill level. Like it's a much more dumbed down version of what Smash Bros offers. Um, yes, and I think that be- I think that benefits it. I must be honest. Uh, you know, m- maybe the the more you play it and the better you get at it, you do maybe want a little bit of that complexity. But as like a casual thing. Especially as a free-to-play title, like I can't, I can't really fault it. Like other than if you don't like the genre, you don't like the genre. Sure, I do hope it stays that way though. And because one of the things you just reminded me, and I'd have to get your take on this because you'll probably know more than me, is that can talk about whether or not multiverses can stay a casual and a beginner and user-friendly experience. I always wondered with like Smash Brothers Melee, for example. Was it designed as technical as it ended up being, or was it made as technical as it ended up being by the people who got so invested into it as an experience that they researched every single element so meticulously? They're the ones that found out how many different frames this lasted for. They're the ones that found out how technical the input and frame perfect the impact had to be to make this happen. And before you know it, like I always had this picture in my head of Smash going in a direction that the developers never necessarily originally envisioned but they kind of rolled with it and i don't yeah. know if that could happen to multiverses too which would be a negative potentially maybe i mean it depends on how long it if that were to happen how long it would take but yes yeah it's a good question i i don't know if if it's the chicken or the egg in the when it comes to smash bros um but it, it is it is that it's what you said it's like hey there's invincibility frames here and it uh, it shine dashes or whatever they fucking call them. Like, there's some crazy shit going on there. Whereas multiverse is like, nope. Like, a, an eight year old can play this, as can a thirty eight year old. You know, um, but yeah, no, I, I I enjoyed it, and I think I think its appeal and its longevity is going to come from its roster, much like Smash. But that's kind of where it starts and ends, I think. And the core gameplay loop is going to be the same, the same, the same. Don't get me wrong. They do have some characters that are like deemed as like expert level in terms of their skill set and understanding how to use it and utilize it in the best way. Um, like 
the, the character that I resonated with was, funnily enough, LeBron James. Um, so I, I was playing as LeBron, and I, I really got into the groove with him. But I can I can see how maybe for younger people it might not be the best character for them to play. So there is something for varying skill levels, but yeah. I still think that, that that skill ceiling is way lower. It felt like it. Yeah, it did feel like it. And uh, readability was another thing with, that I, I struggle with Smash, but Multiverses feels like it's going a few extra steps to kind of improve it. Like, even if it's little things, like uh, assigning a team kind of when you're doing 2v2 as we were, there's a red team and a blue team, and it kind of very subtly tints and shades characters in certain colors so you can always make out who's on your team and who's not on your team. Yeah. But little changes like that that kind of, in theory, you might argue, mess with the aesthetic of these very recognizable characters, but are important for readability. Um, but equally, there were also some very Smash-esque times of, like, I'm going to get involved in a ruckus, and, like, five <laughs> seconds later, my character's going to fly out, and I'm going to look at my damage and not be sure whether I'm the one that was beating someone up or getting beaten up. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, there, oh, there was, there, I took 100 damage there. I thought I was destroying them. There was one or two times where I was, like, Wait, trying to wail on someone, but and then I realized, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I was looking at your character, not my character. I was like on the other side of the screen, just jumping around, like, because I was obviously like doing my inputs, whatever it was, and I was just jumping around on screen, like on the other side with no one around me. It's like, well, that's yeah. embarrassing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and those are the issues that, well, I say issues. Those are maybe they're just inherent to the experience, right? Because yeah, it's, it's the pitfalls of the genre, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I enjoyed it, and obviously. So still in beta, uh, they haven't released their shop yet. Obviously, you can go in, you can buy um, particular cosmetics, but like as their actual storefront, it's not open. Yeah. So, you know, at the moment, there's not a lot of kind of in-your-face transaction stuff for a free-to-play title. I'd imagine that that would come. Yeah. But, and, and I know there have been some articles saying like, hey, if you want to unlock everything, it's going to cost you like, what did they say, like, it's like two hundred and something exactly dollars. Yeah. It's like, yes, that is a lot, I guess, per se. But you know, when you're talking about like battle passes and you're talking about ways to earn, and even if it's a trickle of a particular currency, in-game currency, like I don't know. Yeah, it, it depends. It depends on how much they ram it because we've got to remember that like multiverses is not necessarily aimed for people like you and me it is aimed at a younger audience and those younger people can be a little bit more susceptible to you know unscrupulous tactics yeah you're not wrong um yeah it, it, it's i think it's one of those ones where i'm probably going to you know reserve a final judgment until i know a little bit more about what that game is going to be like when it's considered out and yeah how they handle the, the costing and the re how reasonable certain unlocks are and what can be attained for free. And, I, and that's always a weird back and forth when it comes to to what extent are you owed free shit when you're playing a game that's already free. Um, <laughs> yeah. like one of the things that, like, I'm not going to call it a bummer, it's just it is what it is, is that, like, um, I, I played a character who at the moment, I think actually most characters are in this pot, he only has one alternate skin. And that skin is the final level of the battle pass. Now, in my case, it was the final level of the free version of the battle pass. So that's something I know I can grind towards. Um, yeah. But it could just as easily be on the other side. And considering there is this element of leveling up individual characters and maybe becoming more familiar with certain characters than others and having 
favorites more so than you might do with say say like smash because you're leveling up characters you're unlocking perks you're almost having like loadouts or builds for certain characters that you've used more um like will it be rough if like season seven rolls around and you're like an and you've only ever played the iron giant and you're like and you look and like the iron giant got one new skin this year and 16 pounds this season yeah. excuse me it's season. like or, or even even worse like with, with games like this where it's like Oh yeah, Iron Giant's been nerfed and he's not viable. And totally. you haven't you haven't put your time in anything else. Yeah. And like whether Dota for you or Warzone for me, we've all been there. And like yeah. the re- the reality is like if we care enough and if we feel the value is there, we'll put the money in because we're adults and we can do that. Uh, but it will be interesting to see how that stuff fleshes out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um but I'm 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 happy with multiverses and I, I do wish them the best of luck and I just hope they don't they don't mess up a good thing because Jamie the multiverse's beta reached more concurrent Steam users than any other fighter on the platform, which yeah. is kind of like crazy to think about. Like, and it's not just like brawler; it's just like a fight. Think of a fighting game; it is the most played concurrent on Steam. That's yeah. mad. Free to play goes a long way, but you know, what? I think they've had uh, a smart marketing campaign, as like inobtrusive as it's been at the moment. Um, but I think they were just smart about their moves in terms of Twitch and drops and this, that, the other. Like, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think they've done well. And, and also just like owning that spot of like, you shouldn't, no one should be afraid of being a Smash clone because at the moment, yeah. Smash clones, as in terms of outside of Nintendo platforms and especially in a free play capacity, they don't exist in a mainstream way. And there are games out there that are successful brawlers in their own right, like Rival of Aether. There are games that have tried and just didn't really click, like that Nickelodeon one from a year or two ago. At the end of the day, that platform was still there to be snatched by someone, and a multiverses do it, more power to them. Yeah. Because and like, the thing is, like, Warner Brothers, dude, like, we, we were playing Iron Giant versus Batman versus Superman versus yep. uh, Arya Stark versus LeBron James. Uh, if you're not playing LeBron James, you're doing it wrong. Uh, yeah. Bugs Bunny. And you think about, like, the potential that they've got. Like we're, we're good. I'm sure we'll get like Neo from the Matrix. That makes sense. You, you could go anywhere with it, right? Agent Smith, like yeah, like well, the, man, the, the, the so the, much. I'm trying to, to think do. of some of the rumored ones. Um, like uh, Johnny Bravo was in there. Um, obviously Scooby Doo to go with Shaggy. I think was um a, a Scorpion from Mortal Kombat was uh, mentioned. Yeah. Um, I even saw Ted Lasso mentioned at one point, and like Quality. that's the kind of thing. And like it's like I kept saying to you when we were playing yesterday. Personality, personality, personality. Go as far as you can within the reaches of Warner Brothers. Get as many characters as you can. Have as much fun as you can with their movesets, their animations, their emotes, the yeah. stages, the music, the voice lines. Just squeeze every ounce of personality that you can out of it and make it fun to see like Ted Lasso saying Ted Lasso quotes in a fucking brawler game. Yeah, like it, there's there's a there's a thing Le, there's a thing LeBron James does. He his whole skill set revolves around like basketballs and if you don't have the basketball and you do a move he does the like the meme like wow <laughs> it's just like nice little touches like that the one the one thing i'll say that jamie you and i didn't like were the stages they were too simplistic too cramped too small yes too too annoying and yeah. too too not a feature when we say like yeah smash that personality get it going, push it, push it, push it as much as you can. The level design is kind of like really lacking. 
Yeah, I think the Scooby Doo stage had uh, two separate platforms or, or full uh, floors, excuse me, that could uh, drop away like a trap door, and you could fall down them theoretically. But otherwise, they were just backdrops that made loose reference to certain uh, IPs yeah. and franchises, which is a bummer. Yeah, I think they could definitely take it a lot further. No, not that they have to go like Smash Bros. fucking crazy fucking Brinstar uh, levels with shits flying all over the place, whatever it is, or the F Zero racetrack where the, the, the car's coming by and they knock you down but just yeah it, it doesn't need to be so cramped you know people no. it's a fighting game people gravitate towards each other give them a bit of space you know like yeah simple thing yeah no. um but yeah man no, I, I i enjoyed it i i hope to play some more of it because it seems a lot of fun plus i've uh so i got given the founders pack so i spent all of it on lebron stuff and I unlocked his, unlocked his cowboy skin, yeah. where his emote is he does a little salsa dance. Like, nice. I'm in it. I'm in it, Jamie, for the long haul. So. The, the other thing you've got, and a lot of people have pointed this, is to, like, concrete evidence of just what their plans are. The version of the game that you got gets given, I think, almost twice as many, like, free character unlock passes as they're, as the, as can be spent at the moment. So, like, you're probably, I, I think you... slightly more than that. I think, I think I was given 30 or 32, like character tickets yeah and i think i've got 18 character tickets left and i've right, unlocked yeah. everyone exactly so like the next 18 characters they get dropped from multiverses you can unlock immediately and i will say that every every single character can be unlocked with um the regular currency you get for just playing the game and after one session yesterday um i had enough to buy any any character in the roster the regular way if i'd wanted to i haven't done it yet because i was choosing who but yeah yeah yeah, that's that's I think Jamie and I were kind of like trying to scrutinize is what is the grind like in this game uh, and how forgiving is it, isn't it? Obviously, these things can change. They, you know, uh, the developer I think it's called like Player First Games or something. They can go in and tweak these values, whatever it might be. But the time being, I think it's okay, and I think it's definitely doable if you keep on playing. The games are short, like three minutes each just about um matchmaking takes a little bit of time but you'd expect that to just get better and better um and then in terms of the battle pass like as long as you're following like the daily quests and stuff like you could fill out that battle pass relatively easy it's only it's only 15 levels i know it sounds like we're shilling we, we are i mean i've been given the game sure but there's been zero expectation i haven't signed anything so i can say whatever the fuck i want about it you know but I mean, it's free right it. like well, I think that's why that's why they're not bothered. They're like, it's free. Just yeah, talk like, about it. Try it, I guess. Right? Like, that's the other thing. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, it it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> it, like, yeah, it could it could have been worse. I, I, I when I like when I played my first match of it, I was like, I hate this. I'm telling Chris I'm I'm like I'm, I'm not long for this world. <laughs> In the end we played for like yeah, a concession. An hour so. and a half, two hours maybe. Yeah, it was good. Ah, uh, well. That's the catch up. I mean, I, I played some more Elden Ring, and that's about it. That's it. You've had my Elden Ring second. I nearly, um, I, I nearly bought Elden Ring on the weekend. I was going to surprise you after that. No, I, I think if if I hadn't been so like if I I didn't want to play something too big, hence Ghostwire. But like if if it hadn't been Ghostwire, and if I'd been in, in the mood for something more open ended, it could have been Elden Ring. Also, I was very busy on the weekend. Just got, like my Ghostwire time has really been midweek. This week, yeah. Last weekend was very busy. This weekend, not so busy, but 
I need to complete Ghostwire first. Hmm. I don't know, dude. I don't know. Touch and go. Touch and go. It'd be really good. I, well, I'll tell you what. Um, B. Rob did leave a comment on our last video asking when I was going to stream again because I haven't streamed in a very long time. Like, I, th I think over a month now. Um, no, that's not true. Under a month. I think I streamed the day before my birthday. Um, okay. I might, I'm hoping to get back to it either this weekend or next week. So, uh, you know, if you want to see some more Elden Ring, maybe convince you. Twitch.tv forward slash hot panic. Yes, forward slash hot panic. There we go. Uh, and my multiverse's name is hot panic, one word, capital H, capital P. Hit me up. I don't, uh, I don't really remember mine. That gave me some default generic. Oh, yeah, it was like fucking... Butterfly moth. 64 yeah, it had the word, it had the word moth in it. Yeah, kind of cool. <laughs> uh, it's, like, it? it's like Buffalo Bill. Is he butterflies well, or moths? Yeah, he was moths. Right. Yeah. See, that's that's cool. I can dig that. Yeah. Yeah. Is maybe it? maybe that's what I make my actual name. Just Buffalo Bill sixty nine. Yeah. Do it. Why not? Um, sounds like a good idea. You know, Warner, you know Bro else? Warner Brothers didn't have anything to do with Silent Lambs, did they? He'd be a great character. I don't, I don't know if they did, you know. I don't think so. Let's have a look. Uh, he, he is, he, his, one of his specials, he just makes everything go night vision mode and first person. <laughs> he puts you in a well and you've got to put yeah. lotion on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, he, he, swing, he swings around a basket and hits you with the basket and, and steals your lotion. Now, that was di distributed by Orion Pictures. But... One of his mm -hmm. one of his emotes is um, he uh, makes a lamp out of your skin. Lovely, really, really nice. Um, production company was Strong Heart Productions, distributed by Orion Pictures. Orion Pictures uh, Orion... Just sounds like one of those classic like nineties companies yeah. that like either doesn't exist anymore or got absorbed. It is uh, now something else. So yeah, it's it's owned by MGM. In its okay. original operating period, the company produced and released films from 1978 until 1999. Yep. And MGM are uh, owned by Amazon and Comcast. Oh, well, there you go. Ah, fuck me. So, Jamie, I had the perfect segue. You carried on talking. Now I don't have the perfect segue anymore. So it's, it's, it's almost like I should just delay the segue almost indefinitely at this yeah, point, I, right? I agree. Yeah, well, there we go. Speaking of things that have been delayed indefinitely, have you heard of Star Wars? Is that the, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Dr. Uh, Spock? Half Vulcan, yes. half human. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Uh, have you heard of the Empire Strike Back? That's the one um, <laughs> where he, he uh, rap, the bold, he runs away from the boulder. The boulder's running towards him. The little Asian guy. Short round, yes. short stock, round, round stock, short round, full stop, full stop. <laughs> mm. Getting into. Hey, I didn't do the impression. I just speculated about his name. Okay. That, you know that dude's, uh, you know that dude's back. He's in everything, everywhere, yes. all at once. Yeah, I know. It's quality. I still yeah. haven't seen it, but I want to. Me neither. Um, but yeah. Anyway, Jamie, Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic, which is a beloved. Old Bioware RPG, which yeah. was actually very good back in the day. Um, obviously, kind of difficult to play now because it's just kind of like really old Bioware sensibilities, which maybe doesn't translate as much these days. But that's 
probably why um, someone somewhere thought it would be a good idea to remake it. Remake, not remaster. Remake from the ground up. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. One of the better Star Wars games out there, especially when it comes to story. Some great canon. Um, and guess what, Jamie? It's been uh, delayed indefinitely, but in the fucking most brutal way possible. Oh, bro. Yeah. <laughs> this was one of those ones where it was like, the, the, the headline was like, what the fuck? And the article just made it even worse. Fuck, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll tell you what. My throat's getting a little bit sore. I need to drink a little bit of a little bit of Coca-Cola. Do you mind laying this out for us? Yes, sure. So essentially putting you on the spot. <laughs> no, not at all. So uh, the remake, as Chris mentioned, was in development over at Aspire. Um and it had been in development since uh well uh, since when did they do uh, for basically for at least three years. Um yeah. and it was announced last September for PlayStation 5 at PC. But people remember it was a big part of the PlayStation Showcase last September, where it was shown off alongside the likes of Spider-Man 2 and Wolverine. So, fairly to say, <coughs> fair to say, high-profile placement, people getting excited. Mm-hmm. Um, there hadn't been any real news or updates. This was one of those ones that people just thought was ticking along, and we'd hear about it when we heard about it. But it has now been delayed indefinitely, following um, what has been described as a demo of the game that was shown to production partners Lucasfilm and Sony. The implication here is that Aspire, who... Again, context here, originally planned to have a version of this game, or I should say the game itself, ready for the end of 2022. So there was a a point in time where this was planned for this year. They showed a vertical slice of the game to Lucasfilm and to Sony. (laughs) The reaction or the feedback to that vertical slice was seemingly so negative that Brad Prince, the game's design director, and Jason Miner, the game's art director, were, were both fired. And then studio heads are said to have informed staff this month that the demo hadn't met internal expectations and that work on the game was being paused and the company is now seeking other development opportunities. Um, I mean, Chris, like, I don't know if this means that this is being put down and never being picked up ever again. I don't know if this is just them evaluating their options and the word indefinitely is maybe being used with a little bit too much um, (laughs) pessimism. But however you cut it, to have a game in development for three years to for it to come time to say, hey, Sony, hey, Lucasfilm, here's what you've partnered up with. And the reaction is two key creative, senior creative roles um, <coughs> are removed and the projects are put like that. That's the worst possible outcome you can imagine. And, and not only that, because a lot of this stuff kind of like happens behind closed doors. And yes, it this is just a report, but it's still it's pretty fucking damning and it's pretty pretty public um it's rough man like i i feel for everyone involved at asper media and brad pins prince and jason minor like okay they might have done a shit job but that still doesn't take away from the fact that they were clearly passionate or you'd imagine about something like this and worked on it for three years mm-hmm. it's brutal yeah is what it is but you know that that is how the cookie crumbles in the entertainment industry like if something is not up to scratch, then I, I think better to, especially something as beloved as like Nice the Old Republic, Jamie, I think better to get it right than to just half-ass and put it out because you're just missing an opportunity there. Yeah. Like technically this could be something that could print money. You're talking about Star Wars, like a, one of the better Star Wars stories across media, you know, and a beloved game from a beloved franchise. Like it should, it should have been a home run. Um, yes. 
I think what's going to happen, because now it's the whole speculation of like, is this going to be vaporware? What's going to happen? This, that, the other. I hate to say it. I think it's going to be taken away from Asper Media. I, I think it's too juicy a prospect to leave. But I just think maybe the idea is that Asper Media is not the people to do it. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's one source that uh, is mentioned in the original report who suggested that too much time and money had been invested in the work done so far for this to be dropped entirely and that now a more realistic release window would look like 2025. And Chris, to your point, we see that all the time, whether it's, yeah. um, you know, you have weird projects like Dead Island 2, which, again, for as long as it's been since we've seen that game for, for as uh, problematic a development as it's gone through, as many different hands it's gone through, it's one of those <laughs> things that, like, some for someone, somewhere, Dead Island 2 is money on the table because that brand yeah. still has some appeal and some recognition and because there's probably a halfway playable game just sat there somewhere, so why not, like, back it? Or, like, what we see all the time at the moment, the what I'm now tempted to trademark and call the Ubisoft Shuffle, which is just, like, <laughs> we can't cancel this game, we can't hope this game disappears, we just have to keep tinkering with it until we have something we can release. I think that's what ha ended up happening to Roll of Champions. I think that's what we're going to yeah. see of Skull and Bones uh, in four months' time. And if you believe the rumors this week uh, about another game that's got actually gone into uh, playtesting already, Beyond Good and Evil Two, I think we'll see the light. Oh, wow, of the, yeah, yeah, I think we'll see the light of day in the next year or two, but just be a drastically different experience, a more workable, releasable experience. Yeah, you can go to three planets. Exactly, literally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of crazy, man. Like, I, I, I feel for. Texas-based Aspire or Asper, however you want to say it. Yeah, it's kind of rough, man. Um, yeah, no, it's never nice. Uh, How many yeah, employees do they have? Um, it doesn't. Say, doesn't <laughs> they, they? They used to have two at, at the very least, and now they've got potentially zero. No, because um, they were the one that what like their whole reason for being was just porting Star Wars games, right? I believe they were the people behind the. Um, Knights of the Old Republic 2 release on Switch, was it? Which yeah, itself had like a game-breaking bug where you couldn't progress. Yes, they did a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah. They did the uh, uh, Fahrenheit Indigo Prophecy remaster for Quantic Dream. Um, and then in... Did they do uh, Jedi Knight for Jedi Knight and Jedi Knight 2 and um, Jedi Academy for Switch, I believe? Um, very very possibly because I'm again I'm just doing a cursory look here. I'm seeing things yeah. like Knights of the Old Republic, Jade Empire, Knights of the Old Republic Two. Uh, let me go on. Uh, yeah, Jedi Knight Two, Jedi Outcast, Jedi Academy, uh, Civ Six. Um, oh wow. Yes, um, but uh, one thing that again we hadn't mentioned here. So that um, over one hundred and ninety games published, um, and oh, have and have ninety plus members of their team. Uh, they were acquired by Embracer Group in February of 2021. And okay. um, then Embracer added them as a studio under the Sabre Interactive label. So Aspire... Oh, weird. Okay. Yeah, Aspire now operate under Sabre Interactive, which themselves operate under Embracer. Which I suppose isn't that strange when you think, like, at a certain point, by the year 2030, every single uh, game studio in the world will be owned by Embracer Group. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Or Microsoft. Yeah. Or Microsoft, Microsoft Studios. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Kind of interesting, man. Uh, totally. I'd, I'd, another quick one that's uh, an interesting one in terms of like being fucking shelved indefinitely. 
Uh, Ubisoft has denied it's planning to cancel Roller Champions, Jamie. Remember that gem? No, I don't, no, don't, don't just remember it, Chris. I played it like three weeks ago. <laughs> well, at least you still remember it then. It can't be all that bad. If you'd be like, what? Who? <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, there was uh, a lot of kind of like speculation, especially around all the the reports on Ubisoft cancelling a number of games. Um, and I guess Ubisoft felt the need, the need for roller speed to put out a uh, a post saying, hey guys, don't worry, it's not being cancelled, kind of. Yes. <laughs> um, so they're, they're on season three of Roller Champions. And they did put out this, this thing saying, hey, don't worry, it's not being cancelled. But season three is just going to be extended indefinitely. Yeah, they're, they're, they're basically, they feel like they have other work to do. Um, and this is a quote here from one of the developers. Uh, they're making sure they focus on what the players um, have told us they need. Um, and that supersedes all of the priorities, which is essentially where they're saying, we keep working on and fixing the game rather than actually making content or releasing content. Personally, Chris, if I had to guess, I don't think the, you know, the, I don't think it was that any journalist got particularly wrong or bad information here. I think that yeah. Ubisoft are just being very careful around what the word cancel actually means when it comes to a live service game, because roller chains can still continue to um, be live and downloadable and playable, and the service can be completely functional for years to come. And I'm sure Ubisoft yeah. will never refer to it as cancelled, but that doesn't mean anyone's really working on it or doing yeah. anything for it, like... At yeah. a certain point, it, you can't blame him. Is it really cancelled if one person keeps on logging in? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or even if one developer, like, what if you have one developer who like has an output of like one hat per month, and he adds it to well, the that's, score? Yeah, that's the. I mean, I, I might make some fans cry now, but that's the the Team Fortress Two formula at at Valve, right? Like they <laughs> they've got one person who occasionally like scrubs a little bit of code, yeah. and then hey, it's it's not dead. <laughs> It's the internship program. Every summer you get a new batch of hats made by our interns. <laughs> I love that. Oh, man. Okay, well, Jamie, from games that are not coming out to a game that maybe will be coming out, potentially. Yeah. Um, because EA is reportedly making a single-player open-world Black Panther game. Mm. Wrap your head around that one. Yeah, okay. that is a bit of a... A, a, a topsy-turvy head spinner of a of a mouthful yeah yeah single player open world black panther game it's, it's a lot of hyphens probably too many mm, not enough i'd say damn. hyphenate each and every single word oh damn now now, e, now you're talking e hyphen a single hyphen player open hyphen world black hyphen pan hyphen third oh what's the third hyphen, it's, or, or, you, that's what you've got to play the game and find out. Oh, okay, now, now I'm hooked. I'm in. Yeah, I'm you're pre-ordered. In. Uh, uh, yeah, according to Giant Bomb, the title is in early stages of development and is very likely being produced uh, at a recently established EA studio headed by former Monolith Productions boss Kevin Stevens. Monolith uh, being the studio behind the um, Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War games. Yes, and from what I understand, Kevin Stevens, I'm not sure if he was the director, but a very key figure within that franchise. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, fair play. So the game is reportedly known as Project Renier, 
which uh, Jeff Grubb believes refers to Mount Rainier in Seattle, where EA's new studio is based, kind of like adding adding fuel to that particular fire. And yeah, it's, it's going to be focusing, they're going to be, this new studio is going to be focusing on developing an open world action adventure game. So like, w- what does a single player open world Black Panther game look like developed by EA? Mm. You're right. That's one of those things where there are so many words and so many variables in there that it's it's hard to pass. And um, you know, I can't give you a super specific answer, and I can't give you too many answers around the Black Panther part of the question. In so much as how will Black Panther traverse an environment, or will this be set in Wakanda, and if so, what does that open world look like? Those are kind of slightly trickier questions. What I can answer is, what does an open world action adventure game published by EA look like? And my simplification for this, and maybe people will disagree with where I'm coming from, but when I read this and when I hear about this plan, they hear about why they're probably going this route, I think this is EA finally trying to have their Assassin's Creed. That's that's what I think. Yeah, Um, but but using an existing IP and of all things Black Black Panther, which fair enough, it was a very successful film, and Black Panther as a character, I think, is very beloved. Yeah, but I think but I think you look at that. That's like an EA style move, though, because with Black Panther again, you've got a recognizable IP releasing. Okay, okay, it's not going to release alongside. Certainly not. You know, we've got a movie coming out this year. I don't know when the next movie is going to be and what that's going to look like. But Black Panther certainly far bigger and more recognizable character and franchise than it was ten years ago. Um, for EA, that is just one less of a risk that they're taking in developing yeah. what is essentially a new series and a new franchise for them. Um, and I think also the other thing you've got to look at when you think about Kevin Stevens and what he did at Monolith Productions, he took an existing franchise in Lord of the Rings and was like, well, how can we make, say, these environments and these enemy types and these sets of characters and these mechanics and make them work within the the, uh, the confines of an open world action adventure game? And if you again, if you'd have asked me to imagine watch the Lord of the Rings original trilogy and imagine what a third-person open-world Lord of the Rings <laughs> game looks like, I wouldn't have imagined what those Middle-earth games ended up looking like. They were yeah, far more true. almost rural in design and like, a you know, um, one of a better way of putting it. But it kind of worked for them. And then there were other smart elements like, oh, what if we just take the melee system from um, Batman? And of course, there were a few unique elements like what if we take the... Um, the Nemesis system. A Nemesis example. system, yeah. yeah. Which they're not going to have because that is uh, trademarked by Warner Brothers. Although, yes. with all that kind of like divvying up of Warner Brothers Entertainment like, uh, Games division, I don't know where that kind of sits anymore. I'm Very honest, I don't either. But yeah, I, I think EA look at all of that and were like, and are like, we, you and I were talking a little bit before the podcast about how there was actually an interview that um, an, an EAVP did with gamesindustry.biz last year talking about that kind of gap in their portfolio for an open world action adventure game. And, and like, later on, they've come close before. Like, Oh, yeah, games, Anthem, bro. Exactly. Lots of games that Bioware have made, um, Anthem especially included, have kind of skirted <laughs> around that topic. There was, of course, going to be a Star Wars one at one point in time that was cancelled. But... There must be, uh, in this highly competitive uh, third-party publisher environment, there must have always been people within EA who looked over at Ubisoft and especially looked over at Assassin's Creed and said, why don't we have that? Why don't we have a third-person action-adventure game set in an open world? And if Black Panther is the thing they leverage to try and do that, I'm still very curious to see what that looks like. I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll definitely give them 
benefit of the doubt on that one. Like, uh, I enjoyed Black Panther. Uh, I think they could do some really cool stuff. And it's funny, like, even thinking of the Nemesis system, like, it could totally work here. Yeah. In this particular year. Not that they'd be able to, but... Yeah, and I do, think... Do you, rec- do you ever think that there's a, a, a situation where EA licenses the Nemesis system off of EA? <sighs> I don't I, honestly. I don't know enough about like trademark and copyright and like um kind of sort of like infringement stuff to know like could you license that stuff out? Is there a chance that they like take the risk that it's actually not enforceable and just do it anyway? <laughs> could they do what like video game developers have done plenty of times over the years and like we're just going to tweak this until it's not recognizable yeah. or it's, it's, our it's own? not the Nemesis system; it's the Dingus system. So right, totally, totally. But there will, I mean, you've got to imagine whether it's from a uh, Kevin Stevens monolith production standpoint or an EA standpoint, every developer must go into the de- the process of making some of this and think to themselves, what is our super obvious thing that we can implement here that no one's ever done before? But that's every single creative thought anyone's ever had ever. What can I do that no one's ever done before? And then yeah. you cut to the point where you admit defeat and think everything's been done. And then next year something comes out that makes you realize that you were wrong. There's still things being done for the first time all the time in art. Um, I mean, we I spoke know. about it. We spoke about it earlier. We, we we mentioned Red Dead Redemption too. Horse testicles. Yeah, exactly. Like you'd have, you'd have sat there. So, some poor soul who worked on like I don't know, like a Far Cry game must be sat there thinking there must be something I can do to the design of these animals that like has never been done before. And they gave up hope, and then Red Dead Redemption Two came up, and they're like, "Hey, horse testicles can shrink when it's cold," and they, then they and that's developer killed themselves. Yeah, and that's the sad that's story it. of Joe Blogs. <laughs> and that's blood on your hands, dear listener or viewer. Yeah, and rock stars yeah. technically. Wow. But, the, the no, but, thing, but they're changing, Jamie. They're changing. That's why they changed, actually. Um, no, that's a, that's a weird rabbit hole I don't want to cut down. What a, one thing I will say is that Black Panther, and I've only really been exposed to him as a character through the MCU, there's also lots of variety there. We've seen Black Panther obviously operate within Wakanda, but also Wakanda, for as much as it is a unique locale, coexists with the regular real world, and Black Panther in the MCU has had plenty of excursions out into the real world. Also, yeah. traversal, well, absolutely no-brainer. He, he can move super fast. He can probably climb up buildings if you needed him to. Like, Yeah, high-tech gadgets. Like, high-tech gadgets, yeah, upgrades. Yeah, I mean, his his first introduction was in um, Winter Soldier? No, not Winter Soldier. What was the one after Winter Civil no, War, which yeah, was, yeah, which was, yeah, based, which was based in Germany. Because so, there's that thing of, like, the, the Wakan so officials giving a speech or something, and there's an explo- a terrorist attack or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, you think about the prancing motion and chasing after cars and... Like there's, Parkour, there's, baby. Yeah, there's loads of shit you can do with uh, that. Uh, you, so, again, another world exclusive, uh, a world premiere. World premiere. From, I've got the insight, Jamie. EA were developing a open world, first person slash third person Mirror's Edge game. Wow, Okay. Um, and they play tested it, and it didn't didn't kind of resonate. And they said, "You know what we need? We need Wakanda forever." And damn, that's where that's where we are. That's where I we thought are. Of it that you way. heard it here first. Yeah, I hope they managed to um to to change out all the uh, the voice lines because there'll be an awkward moment when someone turns around and starts referring to T'Challa as Faith, like. <laughs> no, nah. they go. 
have faith, T'Challa. Ah, see, give a little a wink little to the reference. camera, you know what I mean? And the only yeah. listeners and viewers of this podcast will know what they're talking about. So, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Remember that when this game comes out in 2027. <laughs> well, Jamie, the one thing that's not going to happen uh, that far away is the next episode of the Super Show, which is going to happen next week. Because this episode, put a fork in it, as Alex Jones would say, because this baby's done. How exciting. Ah, what a lovely time I've had with you, uh, Jamie. I hope you've enjoyed your your wholesome, fulfilling time with your best friend, me. I've had a wonderful time. It's a shame my yeah. best friend couldn't make it, but you've been great. And um, I want to thank right, you for thanks. being so- <laughs> 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 You scumbag. No, but you're not my best friend. You know that. I know. I have a I real, but be- for anyone wondering, I have a real best friend. It's a very exclusive. I, 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 I care about that position very, very dearly. Yeah. I am Jamie's friend, but he has a best friend ever, and you can only have one of those. So. I have a best best friend ever, best friend of all time. Kind of like you can pick and choose how you want to call it. Um, yeah. Chris is my very good friend. And with that, I'm going to go cry myself to sleep. Thank you, everyone, for watching. If you're watching on YouTube. Well, thank you for listening. If you're listening on a podcasting platform of your choice, we will see you next time. Bye. Goodbye.